0: I left home on a late afternoon in early January, a dark day that kept darkening and around 4.30 swallowed itself. I closed the front door and walked down the drive past dim winter bare shrubs, out through the gateway. Outside in the lane, the hedges and sky had merged. I saw the house's empty form when it was no longer visible. If you've known a place inside out for more than forty years, you can see, hear, smell, feel your way around without looking or moving an inch. A flurry of impressions. Frost in the air on my face and in my sinuses. Sharp as this day was dull. The first evening stars. Light, snug behind closed curtains. The front door shutting with a faint boom. The smell of baking potatoes and on Wednesdays baking bread. The languid double-click of the kitchen door. Home. Safe. Warm. Winter memories stored up in the senses. I used to come home from school around this time, up the steep lane from the station with a torch through trees. Nostalgia, you may say, and maybe you'd be right. But just as these things are warm with hindsight, they were warm too at the time. In my teens, out of my element at school, waiting for the bell, I looked forward to them. Nostalgia, if you dig down to the words Greek roots, strip away its rosy layers, means something like a painful longing to return home. I could identify with that. Sometimes, to spook myself as I walked up the hill, I would zigzag the torture's beam through the bare branches, afraid of what I might see or conjure. Then I'd quicken my step a little, hurry home, glad to hear the brick-hard echo of the drive beneath my feet, know that I was safely back inside the high hedges. But on this dark January afternoon evening, for the first time, the hedges shut me out. My parents were dead. The house was sold. It was lonely out there at the end of the drive. From now on, I would have to remember my way back in. A train stopped down in the valley then crescendoed away, and after the usual interval four cars chased each other up the lane, cornering fast, as locals do. Next door but one, a woman I did not recognise drew curtains in a bright bedroom, and a wall mirror reflected her back like the café mirror in that Manet painting. There were no stars. A man walked past with a flashlight, a shadowy dog, and a guarded hello, and all at once I was self-conscious. Lurking in the dark outside a darkened house, to all intents and purposes, a stranger. As I drove away, the headlights made a tunnel of the trees. Something pale skimmed my field of vision, an owl, perhaps, or weariness. Left at the blind junction at the end of the lane, left again onto the main road on through the accident black spot, and past the entrance to the forest, where, when I was little, They found a corpse in a black and yellow dress. The figure on the police poster had blonde hair but no face, and I used to think about that. On to the motorway with its lanes of purposeful lights, bland pop on the stereo, on back to London, staring through what was left of that day towards the flashing light of Canary Wharf like a person at sea. I was suddenly absolutely tired. Back in. Through the five-bar gate, it is a long time ago, for I was very young when the gate disappeared for a lost reason and was not replaced. Up the drive and along the front of the house, where the sun's angle means it is afternoon, and the hydrangeas are papery tones of blue through mauve. I love their blueness for its own sake, an impression of azure or a deepening to cobalt in their great clustered inflorescences. They get their colour from the clay soil which is acidic, Plant the same varieties over chalk or limestone and their range will be pink to Bordeaux. I remember my way on around the corner, scratching my fingertips lightly across the warm, rough bricks of local clay, earthen shading to purple. Along the side through a dark glitter of camellia foliage, over the back lawn that is shrunk and fissured by summer, hollow to the eye and foot and ear. Maybe it is 1976. The Year of the Drought. An energetic sound, rhythmic as birdsong, but blunt on the finish. My mother's trowel in dry ground, close at hand. She only ever had one trowel, with a deep blade that she scooped into the soil, and a wooden handle that she would wear to a shine and eventually loose. My father made new handles from time to time, and I loved the way that one, finished with two encircling grooves, fitted to my own right hand. My father used this trowel for many years after my mother's death. When he too died, I searched high and low, but I never saw it again.